Hello, I'm Philip Brain. And I'm Harry Clennon. And you're listening to Reflections by Spectacles. Today we're going to be talking about an insight that Harry wrote, updating us on the situation in Tunisia, which we've covered a couple times before, and reflecting on the political calculations which took place in the country leading up to Syed's seizure of power, and the lessons we can learn about democracy and governance from the situation. First of all, I guess there's this interesting thread in your article that I see, or this question that's on display. Some of these Tunisian parties and some of these civil society groups or trade unions Mm -hmm. seem to at least softly buy into Syed's seizure of power as a way to either rewrite the system to be a better democratic system or to get rid of in in the case of the political parties get rid of an opposition party that they felt was also counterproductive to the tunisian democracy and so there's there's this sort of question looming in the in the piece about when a democracy is failing what are we supposed to do about it right if the institutions which provide useful constraints are also providing counterproductive constraints what do we do about it and so i guess i'm wondering about Tunisia, what was the way out here besides what happened, if that makes sense? Yeah. What, what, else, what else could they have done besides <laughs> yeah. what happened? I, I, I wish I had, had a solid answer to that, and I don't. I think maybe I can sort of shed some light by maybe explaining some things, running it back a little bit. One, I think, important reason or understated reason, I think, in, in the press generally, and for good reason, it's kind of in the weeds, so you'll have to <clears throat> forgive me a little bit here, is the way that... The Tunisian parliament was structured was such that there was a very low threshold for entry for parties to enter the system. So, for example, we've been talking about Germany in a couple of our past episodes, past insights and, and focuses. Germany has a pretty high threshold for representation, 5% in their proportional representation system. I think, I don't I don't recall what Tunisia's is, but it's... Or, or, or to add to the confusion, you can win three single-member districts. Yeah, yeah, let's not and... even talk about that here. Um, <laughs> the threshold is... They have, a th- they have a threshold, which is actually somewhat difficult to meet. And the left in Germany in the recent elections almost didn't meet didn't it. Didn't meet just it. Ba- barely eked it out. Right. So... So, right. you know, with a low proportional percent of the vote, a party can enter the parliament in uh, Tunisia, which means that you're going to get a lot of parties, right? For right. Germany has only six that sit in the legislature. Tunisia has a lot more than that. And I think for a very young democracy, that can cause problems because it's hard to cobble together a majority. And so you get this very fractured system in which the parliament is pretty ineffectual. And in the meantime, you're also, the, the the young democracy in Tunisia inherited the economic problems, the public corruption that were part and parcel of the reason for the you know widespread protest, what we call the Tunisian revolution. So you see that there was sort of a little bit of an endemic institutional weakness in the democracy. And at the same time, in the past 10 years, the, the primary, the notables of Tunisian democracy, the former president, not the one who sees power just now, but the president who was in office before he was, and the leader of Tunisia's, one of Tunisia's largest part, now the largest party, Inakta, which is a, a Muslim democratic political party, sort of worked really hard not to rock the boat, basically, because the situation was very fragile. 
And that, I think, helped to some extent preserve democracy, but also maybe to preserve the image of democracy when really the government was not responding to popular discontent over high unemployment, public corruption, and then more recently, the pandemic. So you see these sort of weaknesses emerge. I think that they, you know, there was an unwillingness to sort of rock the boat among political elites. An unwilling, an unwillingness to be ambitious, in other words, in yeah. solving the problems. Is that what you're Yeah, sort of I think at? that's basically, I mean, they tried really hard to avoid conflict. For reasons that I lay out in the insight, you, you, there's an incentive to avoid conflict in democracy. And it's good when you can have this sort of reciprocity where you aren't, where there aren't tit for tat interactions and you aren't trying to overthrow the other guy, which has now recently happened. But at the same time, that can come at the cost of actually, you know, maybe getting things done. And so you see these sort of institutional weaknesses, and then you see, which leads to a weak parliament, you see a sort of detente between political elites, which is not necessarily productive, because sometimes conflict, nonviolent conflict, conflict of ideas, conflict of politics can be productive in democracy, can help produce solutions. And right. so it's not necessarily right. something that you always want to shy away from. Right. Especially, you know, in a crisis when someone, when you sort of need to take the reins and deal with it, and Tunisia has basically had a sustained crisis of unemployment for the past 10 years. I mean, again, continued public corruption, which is bound to, you know, create dissatisfaction. So uh, the problem ends up being, I think, especially with the advent of COVID, the fracturing of the parliament, the former president who was played a large part in holding everything together, passed away. They had to hold elections early. This guy who was just seized power, Kaya Syed, was a constitutional law professor who ran as an independent, didn't have a tie to any political party. The party system was became quite fractured, except for Nakta. And so there are all these sort of weaknesses ongoing that offer this opportunity for him to seize power, but also an opportunity for a lot of sectors of civil society, other political parties that are in the you know opposition or in the minority or what have you to say, hey, maybe there's something to be said for this here yeah. maybe we have an opportunity here to play some part in basically maybe going back to square one a little bit and seeing what went wrong how can we sort of fix the institutions i mean right. i think which, that, which already happened once before in the process of tunisian democracy yeah yeah right i mean just again not to get too far into historical weeds here there there's a revolution in 2011 uh the autocratic regime was overthrown a parliamentary democracy was established and then it really wasn't doing so hot there's popular discontent and in 2013 there was a national dialogue conference and out of which emerged another led, constitutional led, led system. Led by a lot of these trade unions. Yes, led by led by the UGTT, which is Tunisia's, led in part by the UGTT, which is Tunisia's largest in trade union or association of trade unions. And so it's a long so, way of saying I don't have an answer for you of what could have gone better. I mean, what could have gone better, I think, it is perhaps better institutional design, perhaps when the democracy was doing better, if leaders had decided to be more willing to take ambitious steps to to deal with things. Another component is that repeatedly Tunisia has taken loans from the International Monetary Fund, which is required that they basically impose austerity, which means cutting back public spending, which seems somewhat counterintuitive to me that in the middle of extended high unemployment that you would cut back public spending because public spending is one way to stimulate the economy right. and to give people jobs. Right. So I think these, those are all things that I think probably could have been done better in the past. In the last episode, we talked about maybe more international financial support to, in our last episode on Tunisia, we talked perhaps more international financial support to Tunisian democracy would have been helpful. These are the kinds of things that I think perhaps should have been done. The, the thing we're pointing to is that these things weren't done. Right. And we can learn from them. But in the case of Tunisia, when we're talking about sort of 
what went wrong in the final moments. There is a dilemma about, sure, we could have done some things better previously, but we can't. So what can we do right now? Right. And an effort to go back to square one, maybe have a second chance is certainly appealing, right? And I think that's what motivated some of the support for what Syed was for, for the disillusion of parliament right? right and my understanding is not that it was like vociferous like we're a hundred percent behind you here but i think cautious support in the sense that like hey there's maybe an opportunity for us here so we're not going to condemn this we're not going to join immediately a popular front opposition now one of the political parties that cautiously supported syed is trying to join a popular is trying to put together i mentioned this in the piece towards the end is trying to put together some sort of popular front opposition a little late for that, I would say. And it's it's tricky. I don't know what exactly their calculus was in thinking about what Syed's motivations were, because it seems to me from my perspective, and I guess this is sort of in hindsight, it's retroactive, handing over the reins of power or not trying to put a stop immediately to someone who sees the reins of power is... A dangerous move. I do remember I'd done I have done more research on sort of what went on at the time now, but I remember when I when the news first broke that he had seized power, I saw a lot of reports, you know, this political party, this trade union is sort of being cautious about this. They're not maybe lending they're maybe lending cautious support to him, saying, Hey, it's time for you to put together a roadmap and stuff like that. Uh, maybe that's because they were afraid, but I think as the person that I spoke to, uh, Sami Hamdi, who's a Middle East North African politics analyst and the managing director at uh, the International Interest, which is a consulting group, he told me that they were basically, I mean, my information that there's these sort of cautious supporters came from him. And now it makes more sense to me, you know, in retrospect, what they were doing is sort of saying like, okay, maybe there's an opportunity for us here. And that I think is um, it is a dangerous move, it's but a it's a move that move. it's a move that I think the dilemma is sometimes democracies have had to take. I mean, there are right. other instances of hi- in history of this of similar things happening and yeah needing to happen and actually working out right. And and yeah, I mean, I I would say I'd be cautious right there. I mean, I know you and I have talked about this, right? I think the examples tend to be few and far between of it being successful right. i think usually when something like this happens you're already at, at a, a kind of a point of no return i think more often than yes. not when you get to this point things have already deteriorated such that it isn't likely to work out super well right it, and it uh, and I think this is this is one of the interesting points that we hit on when we were talking about this article before, you know, recording this conversation for you listeners, is there is almost a point of no return sometimes, right? And that's yeah. sort of the wall that Tunisia found itself up against in certain ways, that the institutional functioning of the democracy was so, well, dysfunctional, that at a certain point you confront either a slow collapse or you can try to do almost a strategic retreat or controlled descent yeah. in which maybe you can recover something right right if you can if you can try to sort of grab hold of the reins in a way that lets you steer the collapse i mean that's an important point because i don't know that like if these organizations had not cautiously supported syed that he would have been had to like backtrack immediately or something like that right i think what you would have had right. probably was uh, a huge political standoff where 
you know, the members of parliament, some maybe even a majority constituted members of parliament said, we're the legitimate government now. And he said, yeah. he's a legitimate government. And the trade unions caught in the middle of it. Other civil society members or me- groups in civil society caught in the middle of it. I, you know, I, I think he was probably going to try a play like this, although I'm, I would imagine and, tested the waters a little bit with some of these organizations. And I was like, what are we going to do? And like, I don't know. So, I yeah. Don't know. And, and on that point of a political standoff, then, you know, how does that resolve itself? We talk about how the disorder of violent conflict or violent struggle for power is sort of always lurking beneath right, democracy's ordered to. nonviolent struggle for power. Right. One thing that I think is important to point out is that these people serving in parliament, uh, a lot of these people who are seniors in these in these trade unions and, and people who are serving in parliament and these parties that lent their soft support to Syed and maybe an effort to sort of control that dissent, steer it in a right. more productive direction are people who lived through and probably participated in some manner in the Tunisian revolution, which overthrew in 2011, that autocratic government. And so these are people who know firsthand, right? right, If a regime collapse goes full on, popular discontent goes full on because popular discontent would be growing protests, things like this happening in the country. They're people who know how bad that can get. Right. Mm-hmm. If you just go into a full full on confrontation about this situation. And so, you know, it makes some amount of sense that they would say, all right, let's try to just manage this crisis in a way that can be productive. Right. Rather than letting everything totally collapse. Yeah. And, and, I would. All, I mean, you know, I, I don't. And think, that is a serious dilemma. It is right? a serious dilemma. I would also say I'm not. Their motivations are questionable to some extent. Sure. I mean, I think there is the there's the view that you have the opportunity maybe to capitalize on the moment and be placed in power if you lend some support. If there is a roadmap back, he would, you know, cited theoretically if he was acting in good faith, which he at this point is clearly not might have put them at the helm of some new parliament or at the helm of a national dialogue conference, which is obviously good, right? That's power. So it's, you know, it's mixed, right? I mean, politicians like holding power. And so they're, you know, they're operating within that circumstance. But I think that's where we, you get it. One of the other, you know, the problem or the tension of, of the piece that I wrote, right, is once you go to that point where you're saying, all right, we want power perhaps for good ends, maybe for good ends. And I think there's, you know, every reason to believe that there's some, you know, genuine public spiritedness in what they're doing. Once you reach the point where you're willing to cast aside democratic procedures, which I argue help yeah. facilitate reciprocity in government, meaning you do good for me, I'll do good for you, or if you or I won't do bad things to you if you don't do bad things to me. I mean, democracy kind of requires that. And I, you can read the read the piece and sort of as I tease that out, once you cast that aside, there's no reason to expect that it's going to be that, that the person that you hand the reins of power to as you cast those procedures aside, or as he cast those procedures aside is going to have any respect for them. And I mean, maybe there was some reason to believe that it seems from an observer's perspective, kind of crazy to be like all right we're just going to hand you over the reins of power and not along with it but i think as philip is pointing out maybe that there was good reason to right you don't want to start this massive standoff obviously it's become clear that the military and police forces are either not going to get involved or they are going to or they're backing syed and so you don't want to end up on the wrong side of that for sure people have been arrested opposition mps have been arrested so there are good reasons to to tag along except that it does now create this problem where i mean they're saying they're forming this popular front i mean it's like well 
yeah, this was going to happen, right? I mean, he's not yeah. a legitimate president. He was an incredibly dubious interpretation of the Tunisian constitution that allowed him to basically endow himself with these powers. And now he says he's ruling by decree. So that's where you find yourself. And, yeah. you know, I I kind of think this is, is what you would expect. But I think you're right, is like the options, the, the options of what you can do really do start to narrow when you reach yeah. that crisis point. Yeah. And I think that that's an important point in terms yeah. of understanding why people act the way they do. That's all for today. If you enjoyed, please consider subscribing to the podcast, rate us on iTunes, and share this episode with your friends or on social media. If you'd like to listen to each new episode of Focus and Insight read aloud, follow the link in the show notes for Spectacles Out Loud. If you'd like to read or make a comment on the article we just discussed, there's also a link in the show notes to our website where you can sign up for our newsletter if you haven't already to receive a new way of seeing politics in your inbox five days a week. And find us on Twitter at Spectacles Media. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks. Thanks.